Now broadcasting from inside Furry Heads rent free. He's gonna tell you what it's really like to be a furry, and he's not holding back. Get ready for your weekly dose from the prescriber of the hard truth on Unleashed. Here's your host, Lifty Husky. Hello and welcome to season two of Unleashed. I'm your host, Lifty. Thank you for joining us again for this exciting year of furry news and information. And I'm glad that you're here with us to listen in. On this tonight's episode, we want to go back to the very beginning of the first season where I was talking about the missing stare analogy. And we want to kind of revisit that. But this time we want to go further and talk about the people that are running these furry communities and how they're actually creating or cultivating more of a monolith of a community that's more attuned to what the political views of the mods and the admins are and basically trying to be aggressive and push out anybody who disagrees. But first, we want to just make sure that if you aren't following us on Twitter, please feel free to follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Lifty Unleashed. And of course, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're on lots of different channels so that you can never miss an episode no matter how you're listening to podcasts now. We thank you for anybody that subscribes. We'd like to do more. We're going to be thinking about doing more uh, overall over the next uh, few months to kind of reward those uh, who subscribe. But anyway, um, I want to first off also introduce the special guest, which is Solosin. Hello. How's it going, guys? <laughs> and my uh, co-host, Texiot. Hi, y'all. Hope y'all are doing good today. Yeah. Introduce yourselves and uh, talk a little bit about yourselves before we get started. Sure, I'll go first. Originally, yes, I was born in Beaumont, Texas, a uh, small small farm town guy i know i get a little bit uh political but don't take it personally please don't okay i'm all here to have fun i'm a fun loving guy hope y'all are too so Solosin, how about you yeah um i'm someone who was a content creator in the fandom looking to get back into that i had to take a break for multiple uh reasons but i my content should be starting to back up soon I'm actually originally from the same part of Texas as you, uh, Tex. Um, I'm oh, really? From the southeast side of Houston, yeah. <laughs> Near the Galveston <laughs> area. Oh, no way! Yeah. Now I am actually, uh, mo I moved to North Dakota at the start of this year for a job opportunity. It's also where my mother is from, so I figured I'd give, you know, a new place of scenery a try. So I've been trying to make some new friends in the fandom up here, up here which has been kind of hard, but, you know, Getting there surely, slowly but surely. Um, but yeah, that's just a little bit about myself. Yeah, that's great. And uh, you're also a fursuiter, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My fursuit's made. Your, your fursuit's on the way? Yes, it's on the way. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, um, he's in the oven getting baked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's oh, no. No, you're not supposed to put the fursuits in the oven. That's how they melt. <laughs> if your first is in the oven baking, if your first is in the oven baking, somebody's hating it. I I meant I meant baking in the oven as a metaphor. <laughs> ah, I gotcha. Yeah, I got. No, he should be in by the end of this year. Yeah, awesome. Yes. So thank you both of you for joining us on this episode of Unleashed, and we want to start off by just going back to the first episode when I've mentioned the missing stare analogy. And for everybody who's not really aware of what the missing stare analogy is, it is basically when somebody takes a problem and ignores it to the degree where it just becomes normalized. Some outsider is looking at the problem, sees that there is a problem, points it out to the person who is ignoring the problem, and it's become so ingrained that the person who's ignoring the problem just looks at it and says, yeah, it's always been like that. And I feel like 
we've done this with so many problems before, but now we're taking it a step further and we're actually going with the people who are running the conventions and the communities. They've created this problem where people on the outside, people coming into the community, they know that there's a problem with the community. And instead of the problem being fixed, the problem just kind of spreads and gets worse and nothing is ever done about it. And even worse is that the communities themselves, they just kind of, the, the people that are coming in just kind of morph into the community. And in order to get accepted into the community, they kind of have to ignore the problems as well. And one of the biggest problems that I've noticed, and you, you can talk to me about it, you can, you can agree, disagree about it. One of the biggest problems that I've seen in the community is that the people who are running these communities, these groups, they are overtly political. And it's oftentimes politicizing the, the group. Anything that they say is uh, political is often stuff that they disagree with. And anything that they agree with is like, oh, it's human rights, so you can talk about it. It's not political. <laughs> I, it drives me up the wall how politicized groups have become thanks to the admins and the moderators and basically them trying to cultivate this monolith of a community where if you don't agree with the mods, you can see yourself out. That's it. You either agree with the mods or you get out. And I, and I just want to like, what have you experienced in, in local communities where it's, it's, it's the mods way or the highway? Well, actually, I, I wouldn't say it's just the mods. It's really just anybody with a large following. And um, basically, if you reach a certain level of popularity or, you know, following base, they, a lot of furs will take it upon themselves to be the quote-unquote moderators of the fandom because they look at it through a lens of popularity where it's just whoever has the most followers, therefore, must be the most correct. And that's such a, you know disingenuous and illogical way to look at things to basically base reality off of who has the biggest mob behind them. And that's honestly what we see a lot in the fandom. Um, or it's, it's also a sense of fear too, because if it's a mod with like, let's say, you know, five followers on Twitter, you know, people that mod has less of a say over things, but you know, God forbid you go against the ideas or thoughts of somebody with like, you know, several thousand followers or tens of thousands of followers. Then all of a sudden you're dealing not with just that individual, but the entire, you know, mob that's behind them. And we've seen that happen a lot where, you know, somebody says the wrong thing. If it gets quoted or, you know, shared amongst, you know, groups um, where the person that disagrees with you has a large following, their entire mob will attack you and not... Not only that, a lot of them don't even know why they're attacking you. You're just labeled as the wrong thing, and you're the one that needs to go without any sort of basis um, on the arguments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, yeah, I've seen it a lot. I'm glad that you said the, that you're labeled as the wrong thing. In many cases, that's just how it is. It there's, is. Uh, there's no... Th there's no actual rationale for why you're being shunned from the community or you're being attacked. It's just you were labeled by the mods or you were labeled by this uh, popifer as being evil. Therefore, you are evil. It's even worse when you're trying to convince other people of, of a point or you're trying to make a point and nobody believes you. Nobody believes what you're saying. But, um, but if a popifer says it, they believe the popifer. They don't believe you. You know, that, that's kind of like the shoot the messenger a fallacy that I've seen a lot of furries employ, where it doesn't matter what you say. The message itself doesn't matter, but who says it is what matters. Or where it comes from matters more than the message itself. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, 100% I agree. Like... For example, when um, 
I had my first set of cancel waves back in, you know, 2020. Um, I basically just decided to finally speak about my opinions because I knew how crucial that last election would be. Um, so I told myself, hey, if, you know, it doesn't go the way that I hope, I, I need to make sure that I did everything I could with the influence that I had, you know, to at least try because I knew if I stayed silent and did absolutely nothing, it'd be hard to kind of live with myself and I'd be dealing with like a lot of regret knowing that I didn't try and didn't speak up when, you know, this is a country where you're supposed to be able to speak up and share your ideas and share your thoughts. I'm into that. But whenever I did, I had, you know, thousands of people on Twitter, you know, attacking me, you know, saying that I was, you know, alt-right or, you know, I was, you know, bad that I should be canceled, being thrown You're out. You're a Nazi. Nazi for a block list and yeah. stuff like that. And I'm on that list. Every too. time I asked... Every single one of these people, I asked, what's something I did that I should be held accountable for? And then they would always reply with, you know, the hot topic, which I believe is, you know, a lot of these people have like Trump derangement syndrome. And they started criticizing Trump when they were trying to criticize me. And then when I put out a tweet saying, criticize me without mentioning the orange Cheeto. <laughs> and not a single person could. <laughs> Not a single person could, because literally I've said or done nothing to that's cancelable, you know, that's cancel worthy. I I asked them, dig through every tweet that I've ever said, dig through every video I've ever done, dig through every TikTok I've ever done, look through everything, look at all my responses to people. Have I mistreated anybody? Even the people that are vile to me, I don't get vile with them. I just try to create logical arguments. Um, I don't even use insults. And I told him, dig through everything. Find something to cancel me for. And when I actually mentioned that or gave that challenge, about 90% of all the people attacking me stopped. Because I just proved to them that they're literally in this cult mindset to where it's just if they're told this person is bad by their quote-unquote you know, leaders or idols in the fandom, the people that they've known longer they don't care if they're right or wrong they just do what they're told and i proved that and now i don't know if anybody else has seen my twitter but i still share my opinions to this day yet almost i get no negative interactions virtually none anymore because like i said i've pointed out i have never done anything wrong or wrong to anybody yet for some reason there's this you know cloud over me that that's, that's been cast by others in the fandom with no with no basis or reason. Um. So I wanted to ask that those people who were attacking you once you finally um let them find something to cancel you over and they couldn't find anything, they didn't apologize to you. They just oh. went quiet. Yes. They... <laughs> what a dick! Wow. What what a wow. bunch of dicks! That's a, that's I've, I've and, even and, lost uh, <laughs> friends, um, like some of my original friends in the fandom I've lost. And they've, even though they've known me for years, they knew about my opinions from the, the very start. You know, it's, they just weren't public. And now um, it really sucked because I actually ran into one of these original friends that I made in the fandom at Anthrocon um, recently. And they ghosted me for a while. And I asked, you know, how are you doing? And they said, can I be honest with you on your ideas and your thoughts directly harm me and my friends. And, oh. you know, when I, when I ask which ones, no comment. Oh my God. And it's, it's crazy to see some of the people that have known me the longest basically convince themselves um, through isolation. They, ch they chose not to talk to me. I isolate themselves from me. So that way they, in their head, they could picture me as the villain that everybody else calls me as. And basically warp their perception of me without talking to me. So that way they don't feel guilty when they finally came to the time when they had to tell me to my face, I'm no longer your friend. That's how it felt. They didn't have the courage to even, you know, end the friendship with me properly. Because it was months of ghosting, not talking to me. And that, 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 that's a tactic people will do when they know they're about to do something wrong. They isolate themselves um, from the thing that they're about to do wrong. So that way they have more time to, you know, feel disconnected from it before they, you know, rip the bandaid off and do the thing that's not right. 
And that also hurts you too. I mean, oh, it hurt. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> a lot of hurt on your soul as a human being. But it goes back to it to where it's like you ask them, "Why are you doing these things that you know, you know are wrong?" There's never a response, almost no. ever. I wanted to bring up mass formation psychosis because this was this was brought up last year by Dr. Malone. I, I have this uh, this definition: when society becomes decoupled from each other, has a free floating anxiety in a sense that things don't make sense. Then their attention gets focused by a leader or series of events on one small point, just like hypnosis. This was Dr. Robert Malone when he spoke about it on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. I, I kind of feel like the same thing is happening in the furry fandom, just on a smaller scale. We see this phenomenon in a grander scale, you know, throughout society. But within our own communities, we are seeing a mass formation psychosis. We are seeing these popifers, we're seeing these moderators actually become cult-like leaders of their communities. And if you go against the, the cult or you go against what the cult believes or you go against the leader, the cult turns against you. You're enemy number one. And, you know, how did we get here? How did we get to this point where if you don't agree with the, with, the, these popifers, you don't agree with how the community has shifted politically. You are enemy number one. Because when I came to the furry fandom back in like late 2015, we had a very distinct no politics rule. Nobody wanted to talk about politics. Nobody wanted to bring it up. This uh, furry fandom was basically thought of as a very inappropriate place to talk politics. And yes. I understood that. I absolutely understood that. And now it's completely turned on its head. Everybody believes, oh, yes, we must talk about politics in the furry fandom. This absolutely uh, impacts all kinds of furries. And I'm like, have you lost your mind? You know, where is the appropriateness of any of this? And, and I, I'm not going to cite, you know, typical examples, but I know there are people who are listening to my voice and thinking, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. I've been here since 07. It was no politics back then. And I didn't notice that until 2016, whenever Trump was doing all his stuff, getting in office. That's when it really shifted. Yeah. I, I just think that the mass formation psychosis that we are seeing in the furry fandom, of course, not everybody's going to see it the same way. But this mass formation psychosis is basically putting blinders on the furry fandom. It's putting blinders on groups. It's making everybody hyper-politicized. And it's making everybody focus on, oh, oh, I've got to look, look at the right. Yeah, I've got to look at all these alt-riders. I've got to look at all these quote-unquote Nazi furs. I got to look to make sure they're not doing anything. And then on the left, where you got all of these nut jobs, all of these insane people on the left, you know, it, it's like, oh, well, you know, whatever. They're, they're, they, they can pretty much do whatever they want. Take, for example, this, uh, this one person from Minneapolis who I picked up their tweets, at Heart Oriental. They're a trans leftist from Minneapolis. They tweeted this out shortly after the Dobbs decision dropped from the Supreme Court. They said, I want everyone to know that if I ever get pregnant and I'm denied an abortion, I will march my ass straight to the Supreme Court and suicide bomb myself right there in the lobby. What? What the fuck? Yeah, of that... course. Wow, of course. They, they, got a, they got a friendly visit from a three-letter agent for that. Oh, I bet. But they were knocking on that door. Yeah. And uh, I, I wanted to get uh, the opinion of this tweet from a bunch of uh, hard leftist furs. And uh, here's what they had to say. <laughs> Nothing. Crickets. Crickets. They, they were completely silent. They don't speak about these things. They don't talk about the damage that leftists all over in the furry fandom 
are causing to the community just by acting up like this. That's a bunch of, you know, it also brings back defamination. You know, you're deframing the whole community by doing that. You're making us all look bad. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's basically undoing the, the community. I mean, none of this, none of this has any purpose in like uniting the community or creating a sense of cohesion and, and community, you know, as ironic as that sounds. <laughs> um, this is just division. This is, this is hyperpolarization. And I'm pointing the finger at all of these leftist furries who are moderators, who have power and clout within the community who push that power and clout to push a specific political agenda. It doesn't matter if it's on the left or the right. They push a specific agenda and they, they push it with such fervor to where it inspires people to get violent and angry when they don't get their way. We're seeing that in the furry fandom more and more often. Take another example that I picked up. Everybody's heard about Tech Coyote and what he did. This person completely flew under the radar. But this person has kind of been in the community, just kind of like, again, floating under the radar. Nobody really took notice of him for a while. Then we get word that on July 4th, he was arrested for bringing pipe bombs to a 4th of July event in Asheville. He wanted to go to the Vance Monument, the former Vance Monument that was removed. He wanted to put those pipe bombs there to blow it up, to blow up the rest of it. And then when they did a search on him, they found leftist literature, they found the gas mask, they found uh, antique guns so that he wouldn't have to subject himself to a background check for those. Or apparently you don't have to. And they also found a bunch of zip tie handcuffs. I don't know what they were trying to do, but it can't be anything good. No. They were also spotted at a pro-abortion rally in Asheville back on the 26th of June. I'm looking at this, and, and the more that's coming out, notice, though, when it originally happened, people were talking about it as like, oh, no, the alt-right, the alt-right. They're, they're starting to get more violent. They're bringing bombs to a 4th of July event. And then... The more information that comes out about them, the less you hear about them from furry groups. Unless they're peddling the alt-right spiel, which, you know, even a leftist like Tech Coyote apparently can be alt-right, even, even without actually being alt-right. The more that comes out that they're not actually, that they're more of a leftist than alt-right, the less you hear from these groups about what Tech Coyote did until basically you're just... Yeah. Until it's just crickets. Crickets. And that's what I wanted to kind of point out is that these groups, the, the furry fandom is becoming hyper-politicized. Full stop. We need to go back to how it was years ago where we had a hard and fast rule. No politics. Don't discuss it. If you want to discuss it, take it to DMs, whatever. But don't go into a group saying you want to talk about abortion when you know that it's going to it's going to set people off and it's going to and it's going to get people mad. Even people who are supportive, they're going to get mad or it's just going to be a reason to get mad and get violent and get hyper political again. Yeah, it's just going to become a it, it's going to be a shit slinging contest between each group. You know, no one's going to win. Well. I actually would uh, have a, a slightly, I guess, adjusted take on that. Where going to conventions, you're there to have a good time, right? Like, really, you know, politics in those settings, you know, shouldn't come up. But I still think you should be able to talk about these things, you know, amongst, you know, your friend groups. Because, oh, totally. You know, isolating, you know, politics completely out of your social circles, like just completely, um, basically makes you, uh, it, it doesn't expose you to different thought. And whenever that happens for a long and extended period of time, when you finally do come across a separate opinion, it seems so alien to you and you have no way of understanding that different perspective. And that can lead to issues where you have um, more polarization. 
and also a bit more of a vile reaction to any sort of difference of opinion. Like to me, the the way um, I've had people, you know, message me both from the left and right. They're still friends with me um, to stop, you know, posting, you know, any sort of political tweets. So like on my furry Twitter and um, I, I just told them, like, I'm just sharing my thoughts. Nobody has to listen or agree to them. I'm just putting them out into the out there into the ether to hopefully just expose people to different thought, not necessarily to win over arguments, but basically just to give them a chance to see that different perspective. Because a lot of the times I've shifted the way I talk about politics with people is not necessarily in a way you convince them that I'm right over them. Well, that is a, you know, a part of it because, you know, of course you want to sell your idea to others. But I guess I would say a more balanced thing where I actually will listen more than I share, where I'm actually learning a lot from different people and different perspectives and exposing myself to all of it. So that way I just have a better um, grasp of what true reality is, Um, just seeing how everybody perceives it differently. And um, I even put a chat recently where I did one of those, uh, where do you get your news sources from? Or like, what do you interact with the most on Twitter? And I, I was right. I, I do expose myself to everything because 41% of my interactions were with the center. Uh, I believe it was like 31 or something like that were with the right and like 27% more with the left. I'm like, that's nearly perfectly balanced. Meanwhile, if you look up some of the, you know, quote unquote poppy furs, like I was seeing some where it was 100% left. I, I kid you not, like 100%. Wow. And it's that kind of shows how massive of an echo chamber they're in. It's always funny when I you know talk to them and they're like, well, the majority of people think like me. You're, you're the radical one, Solosin. And I'm like, really? And it's like, I, I don't even consider myself right. Like, I consider myself an individualist independent, stressing on, you know, the individual part where I don't like. I don't like political parties. Um, I don't like most Republicans. I actually uh, support behind ind- like individuals um, because I feel like when you only give support to certain people, um, you're not giving support to a large label where a lot of bad people could be under that label. I'd rather be more direct with my support and more direct with um, what my opinions are rather than associating it to a label that could basically at this point mean anything because let's be honest the right at this point is basically anybody with um some sort of sane uh you know thought still left in their brain and like the left at this point is basically anybody who's adhering to like this cult because and that's going based off you know the left's terminology of left right and center right because if you're a cent if you're a true centrist like myself you're considered far right. Like that's that's the craziest thing to them. And, you know, uh, like a lot of people who radical. threw me under the bus. Yeah, a lot of people who threw me under the bus, they're like, you're all right now. I'm like, I literally have had the same opinions and I've you've known this. It's just all of a sudden now you're the cult says there can be zero friends with anybody who disagrees with us. And now you're sticking with the cult. Meanwhile, I'm staying in the center. And now you're trying to convince yourself that I became you know, the far right person when my opinions have not changed. They've always hovered in the middle because I expose myself to all ways of thought. And it's really funny, too, whenever I get told by people from the left, hey, you just don't understand us because you're in your fart right, you know, bubble. And I'm like, actually, I could probably explain to you your position better than you know it yourself, your, your perspective, because I've talked to literally the entire spectrum whether it be to full-blown Antifa communists that I've had personal com- conversations with on my college campus um, before I graduated, even all the way to avid uh, white nationalists that showed up on my campus and I had debates with them just so I, can, I could understand those arguments so I can deconstruct them and figure out what the sources of these problems are. Just because you have conversations with people that you disagree with does not mean you're trying to find common ground. Right. It's, it's listening to see to understand the situation. And I really don't feel like when you nailed it right on the head, when all of these, when some of these popufers, they're basically creating echo chamber for themselves. When they're in that echo chamber, you don't have people that want to listen. 
They don't want to actually expose themselves to alternative viewpoints. They don't want to listen. Yeah. They don't want to actually have the propensity to believe that they may be wrong. And that, I think, is very important. Well, no. you have these large popular people, even they'll, they'll say, hey, subscribe to this block list, this block list, where it's, it's you never get exposed to it once. You never have interacted with it. Yet you've completely cut it out of your um in, like your influence online before you've had a chance to even see what the argument is. I, I put out I've put out tweets where I said if you subscribe to a block list, that means you can't think for yourself. Oh no, absolutely. They treat differing views as a contagion. And they're basically doing what our government did and then trying to keep you isolated from the contagion, trying to keep you uh uh, isolated and brainwashed from the contagion. It's because their arguments are so weak that it literally takes about three sentences, three sentences of common logic. Logic. Sorry, I can't speak tonight. I'm not going. Little tired. Still adjusting <laughs> from a sleep schedule. I'm a night shift person, so this is kind of tough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's most of their arguments I could debunk or you know prove wrong in about two seconds. Just through a simple question, one, one, one simple knockout question, and it would destroy their arguments. And that's why they have to isolate themselves. It's because if they get exposed to it, they know they'll have to be forced to think differently than the mob. And then they run risk of actually having an opinion that will differ from the mob. And that could put them in threat of being canceled. Yeah, it's a shame that they think that way. Because it is. they are afraid to be wrong, so to speak. And they're trying to just kind of speak with other people that want to affirm that they're right or about anything and basically just create an entirely new friend network based around people who just think the same way. They're basically a monolith, a monolithic group. I get, I get very offended when a lot of these uh, moderators, they basically try to speak on behalf of their group because, oh, well, everybody thinks the same way as me. So therefore, I can be a spokesperson for this group. And it's like, yeah, when you basically talk down to anybody who disagrees and you ban them and you tell the other people in the group that they're evil or that, like you said, Solosin, that their views are literally killing people. Yeah. Yeah, it's no wonder that everybody else thinks it's you. And if I recall, certain groups in Europe kind of did that in the 1940s. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a certain, yeah. certain group in Europe that did that. Absolutely. And look at that. You know, history repeats itself, whether you like it or not. You know, it's crazy. The labels they throw around, you know, the villains that they create in their head, they could... They have a chance to see who that villain is. All they need to do is hold the mirror up to their face. <laughs> yep. See, that's what I've been trying to say. Thank you. Like, it's, it's hilarious how they're the ones that, you know, call the right a regime or, or the right, you know, the Nazis or the, the authoritarians telling me what to do. It's like, quite literally, you know, the people on the centrist and right side are arguing, hey, less government, tell me what to do. Yes, and more you. of me having control over my own situation. That's the majority of the opinions on the center and the right nowadays. Meanwhile, you have the left, you know, freaking out, claiming that they support democracy when they support anything. But I mean, the prime example of it recently is the abortion argument, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Quite literally, the overturning Roe v. Wade makes Roe v. Wade a more democratic issue than, you know, it was before by removing it. Because what you've done is now you've removed it back to the states, which, by the way, when you vote things vote for things on a state level, there's a greater influence of actually a pure democracy and popular vote than through the federal level. Yeah, because the federal level, you have right. electoral college and other things like that, different uh, amounts of representatives, you know, in Congress to pass laws. Right. So it's not necessarily a pure democracy. And the left gets no. mad that, you know, we still have electoral college and, you know, are currently a government where it's actually balanced out. Um, they they always say, well, we won the popular vote, or we, you know, they almost always win the popular vote. So they want that style of governing. And guess what? They just got it. 
And now it's more local to them, a more local democratic process to decide if your state wants to, you know, see if they see that as a right. So, you know, in the super strong Democrat areas, they're actually going to be able to hold on to that, what they perceive to be the right to abortion, a lot stronger than it would be at the national level. Because if it remained at the national level, then you could very well have, you know, a, a right wing candidate take control of, you know, the federal government and then institute a countrywide policy on abortion. So, in fact, you actually just protected it in Democrat states and made it more democratic. But are they happy that it became more democratic? No, they're happy that it got taken away from a true authoritarian, you know, style of presidency that we've seen. You look at all the other policies that have taken place, you know, all the forced, you know, mask mandates and things like that. That's one size fits all policy, you know, not letting the people decide on their issues. It's having a government state decide the issues for you. I, I, I like how they constantly say the other side's the villain. They're the ones trying to control us. They're the ones that are authoritarian when they're the biggest advocates for authoritarianism and groupthink and conforming to a singular opinion. Yeah. 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 Well said. Well um, said. On, on that issue of abortion, it's actually, it was shocking to me in the wake of that, uh, that decision to drop it was shocking to me how many furries were so woefully misinformed and just flat out wrong on a lot of topics regarding abortion. A lot of them thought they instantly lost their right to it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, no, no. It, it, all it did was give it back to your states. Now, your states might have laws that will go into effect that will ban it. But guess what? Vote on it vote for you know changes it's closer to you now you have a much greater chance of having influence in your government on the local and state level than you do at the national level just saying yes and not only that but if you don't like the decision right now you still have the freedom to travel between states e even for something like an abortion like that's still perfectly legal if your state banned it but the state right next door says, hey, you know, we welcome all abortions. You have the freedom to travel to that other state. Nobody's going to prosecute you for traveling out of state for an abortion. I do find it really funny. Uh, I currently live in the city of Fargo, North Dakota. And we are one of the states that's uh, most likely just going to flat out, you know, an abortion. And the, the always, they always pull up the extremes, you know, like what if the mother's going to die or something like that? Pretty much every single state, if not, I think every single one has exceptions, you know, to to the bans. Any any state that's instituting the bans, they have exceptions where the mother's health is prioritized. Um, but still, it was funny to see that there was people protesting the decision here in Fargo when we were literally on the border of Minnesota. Quite literally, you drive one mile and you're in the other state that's probably never going to ban abortion ever. Yeah, I've, I've lived in Minnesota. I know what Minnesota is like. I know that they will never, the DFL influence in Minnesota is too strong for them to just sit down and take an abortion ban. No, they will never ban abortion. They, will, they might actually go further and say, hey, we're going to turn abortion into a sanctuary issue for the state. More power to you. It's a state's rights issue now. It doesn't really matter to me. I'm down here in Maryland. You know, whatever they do is whatever they do. Nobody can actually, like, think of it in a rational way like that. Everybody's got to be like, oh, well, it's got to be protected at the federal level. You've got to be able to have an abortion in all 50 states. And, like, you have no control over the abortion issue when it's a federal issue. No, you like don't. Like you just said. In fact, it's at more risk if it's kept at the federal level. Yeah. If you lose yeah. <laughs> that and um, after Roe v. Wade was decided back in 1973, Congress had 50 years to codify that decision and did nothing. So what does that tell you? Not to get too overly on this abortion issue, because, you know, we, we don't really want this to turn into like an abortion episode. Yeah, it, we, we were just using this that. as yeah. an example yeah. of like a major issue where majority of the people in the fandom don't even understand um, why they're being outraged. 
They don't understand the situations. They don't understand what the context of the law is. They don't know this and they don't care. They just want to enjoy being mad about it so they can virtue signal on Twitter and other places and feel justified that they're, you know, fighting for the right causes, quote unquote. When in reality, it's like if you just take two seconds to read the thing you're outraging about, you would understand this just became more democratic. And if you're living in a Democrat state, well, then it's you're probably never going to lose that. Right. Because most of the states right now that are, you know, blue are probably going to stay blue three decades to come. I mean, especially states like Illinois, Minneapolis or yeah, Illinois, Minnesota, New York and California, like those places are most likely never going to turn red ever. I want to I want to bring up to this to this abortion debate and we're going to move on from abortion eventually but remember when the draft was leaked out nobody was talking about who the leaker was or why they leaked this this one issue everybody was up in arms over abortion being overturned or Roe v Wade being overturned and I know of some mods I know of some admins of these large stake groups I know that when this happened, when the news broke, they went straight to their groups and basically tried to bait the group into talking about abortion. And what they did is that if anybody started being pro-life or talking about you know, how we should not be so keen on abortion, they were banned. It was basically a litmus test to see who agreed with the mods and who didn't. And they wanted yep. to get rid of the people who didn't agree with the mods on abortion. It was, it, it, it's, it's insane. I like how the, it, it's almost evil. Oh, that's very evil. That, to have a community. And then all of a sudden you say one wrong thing. You say, you know, a perfectly rational thing. You say one wrong thing in the most rational way, and you are gone from that community at the whim of the mod because you yep. disagree with the mod. And it's crazy how no matter how many good things you've done, no matter how many good interactions you've had, no matter what kind of history you've made there, you say one wrong thing, which, by the way, can be um, very well and morally justified because, I mean, I myself am pro-life. And, you know, most time you try to explain your position to anybody who's, you know, pro-abortion, um, they, they don't care about any discussion. They do not seek to understand. They're just like, gone. Bye. Bye forever. And what's really funny, too, is they, they continue to say things like, we're pro-women's rights, and if you're against abortion, you're against women's rights. If they actually let me, you know, respond to those, you know, types of attacks, I would say, well, guess what? I'm pro women's rights too. I'm pro for the women inside the womb. I think they have rights. Therefore, yeah. it is women's rights. Yeah. So the thing is, just state stating that opinion, it's you're both sides are trying to fight for the rights of individuals. And it's not like one side is just inherently evil. But like I said, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they have to isolate themselves as quickly as possible. Because they do that before they feel any sort of guilt for throwing that person under the bus. And they know the moment they hear any sort of argument from the other side, it becomes 10 times harder to basically demonize that person. Because now they've actually heard what their opinions are and they, they'll feel bad, they will feel bad about it deep down inside. Yep. So they got to yep. get rid of them before they create any sort of attachment or, you know, get any sort of, I guess um hesitancy to doing it they they just want to cut it off immediately before it has any chance to influence them yeah i'm glad that you brought up the issue of individual rights because bodily autonomy is of course part of the issues regarding abortion and a lot of these uh, people were they're so for bodily autonomy and my body my choice and of course, they were completely silent when <laughs> on the mask mandates came up. And the yeah. vaccine, vaccine mandates. mandates came up. Yeah, they were completely silent. Bodily autonomy did not exist in those issues. No, it didn't. But when there's a baby inside you, that's when you need to say, my body, my choice. 
I don't want to hear from these people because their their entire logic on bodily autonomy is completely conditional. And I don't want to, I don't care. I don't care if you think bodily autonomy is conditional. I don't think you believe in bodily autonomy at this point. Well, the thing yeah, is, the way they operate is <laughs> with complete lack of logic consistency. Complete lack yeah. of it. Yeah. The only opinions that they uphold are opinions that give more power. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And more convenience towards them. Because having an abortion, you know, makes you know, life convenient. It doesn't, you know, except in very, very rare cases, you know, actually, like, save the mother. Like, the mother's health was at risk. Right? Mm -hmm. So, right. it's a convenience thing for them. You look at, you know, the... Uh, the issue of overturning of Roe v. Wade, right? They 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 claim to be like we're for democracy, oh, but not in the oh. case of you know it. Whenever uh, authoritarianism or demanding everybody adhere to one ideology is used on the national level in favor of their opinion, then it's good. But the moment it becomes democratic and it actually becomes you know a chance of you know anybody else getting power, but through the processes they claim to protect, nope, now they're against it. There is so much hypocrisy behind, you know, left-wing arguments. It boggles my mind. Because, you know, at least whenever I have debates with people I disagree with on the right, they remain, for the most part, logically consistent. And they'll be honest with what they actually think. Right? Yeah. Like, for example, yeah. um, in the pro-life thing, I've had debates where, you know, people will make the justification for why a woman can't get an abortion if she's been raped. And like, at least, and then, you know, to me, people who are still willing to make that argument are still remaining logically consistent than uh, compared to the people that are on the right that are pro-life that say, oh, oh, but not, but not rape. Because at least they're willing to really say what they, what they mean or, um, by their arguments. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, it's, you know, the like coming out from the pro-life side, they argue that the child in the womb is a child at the moment of conception, right? Right. That's the majority of the argument um, that's from the pro-life side. So in the case of rape, right, does it stop being a child? No, okay. it was just conceived no. the wrong way. So it's like people who change their stance that are pro-life in the, in the case of, you know, rape, um are a bit logic um their logic's a little bit inconsistent and they make um exceptions right mm -hmm. because at that point even though the woman you know like was you know raped um you know her health still might not be at risk right the only exception you can really make is when you know the mother's health of the health is at risk is now you are forced to make the decision of one life or the other right so right. I, le I have more respect for people who keep a consistent level of logic, even when it's inconvenient for their own, uh, their own pushing for getting people to agree with them. Right. Cause if you like right. said, um, people who are, you know, my body, my choice, if they kept the logic consistency, then they would have to concede that, Hey, then we can't force people to, you know, to take pharmaceutical drugs, um, that are being forced on us by the government. Right. Right. Like if even if they want people to get vaccinated, if they wanted to remain logically consistent, they would have to give up that other argument, right? You can't cherry pick and bounce around and say that you're, you know, you're being honest with yourself. That's just my take on it. The people who are more consistent when they're with their logic, even when it goes against other parts or other opinions they have, but they remain true to what their logical argument is. 10 times more respect for that person because at least they're being consistent. I'm into that. Yeah. And now you say that you can't cherry pick your arguments, but oh boy, I know of some furries <laughs> that will try. Like I remember uh, just before Anthrocon, I wanted to send out a tweet about a person that was coming to Anthrocon. He's a very uh, despicable person. He did some very despicable things in the name of the furry fandom. Uh-huh. And basically, he became a persona non grata. I'm not going to name him, but those who know, know. Anyway, I just wanted to let everybody know that, yeah, he's coming to Anthrocon. Be on the lookout. Because not only, you know, he, he stole money. I'm pretty sure he's uh, fondled some children. And he's going to be coming to Anthrocon. And what this one dude did is that when he's noticed 
that it was coming from me. His demeanor completely changed and he decided to tweet out, oh, it's that idiot who is anti-mask, anti-vaccine. And I'm like, oh, well, what? Like, okay, I was talking about this dude, but I guess we're not talking about this dude anymore. We're talking about, hey, me, I'm the target now because of my beliefs. I don't particularly believe in mandates. I don't believe in mass mandates. I don't believe in vaccine mandates. I don't believe that mandates do anything or have any effect. And yet, I've been consistent. For those of you who have been listening to this podcast, I've been consistent about that all this time. I don't support conventions that have vaccine mandates. Now, masks, hey, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. I don't care. Do whatever you want, but don't tell me to wear a mask when I don't want to. I don't particularly have to wear a mask in most places, and I and I don't. I take that choice for yeah. myself. I take that risk, and if I get COVID, I get COVID. Whatever. Yeah. Like right now, it's it's kind of cycled around into a less lethal form, and I took the vaccine. Believe it or not, I took the vaccine. According to your logic, I should be fine, right? Even though so many other people were take, have taken the vaccine, they've taken the booster, and they got COVID. It's like, it, it, you know, where is your logical consistency on this? You attack me, you call me stupid for yeah. my beliefs, but you don't have any logical thread to actually tie down your own beliefs as to why I'm stupid. I've had some very interesting debates uh, with people. One of them was another friend I lost that was a popular person in the fandom, like very popular. And before the end of their friendship with me, they had somebody uh, like I basically did my own like little version of a podcast on Twitter. It's still there today. Um, uh-huh. And they got mad at me because apparently another person that, you know, knew of me who was a famous talker. um told him that I was saying anti-vax rhetoric. And then uh, this popular person said, hey, I have friends that told me you were saying anti-vax stuff, dude. What F? And I just told him, what did I say that's anti-vax? And he's like, I don't know. But they sent me clips of you saying things, and it was anti-vax stuff. And I said, can you give me a quote of something I said? And he's like, well, I actually didn't listen to the things, but I know you said those things because my <laughs> friends told me. I'm like, you literally have the clips and he oh, even chose God. not to listen to them. And then on top of, yes, <laughs> bruh. Like, I, I, I screenshotted that in case you ever were to, like, you know, go out yeah. and say, like, I was the one being, you know, acting like a child. Oh, boy, if, if he accused me of that and I just posted our DM... It would be the most obviously one-sided thing where you can see one person acting like a child and the other person being well more informed than that person. (laughs) But basically, he tried to convince me that I was being anti-vax because I simply said, talk to your doctor before getting the vaccine. Because Ah. I would be creating hesitancy to getting the vaccine if you're forced to talk to your doctor first. Like every other drug that you get prescribed to you right. are given to you by a doctor. Like how many times have you seen the, you know, the pharmaceutical commercials come on and they're they list all those side effects. And then what do they say at the very end of the commercial? Talk to your doctor. doctor. And I, that's all I said, because I expressed there. Yes. Because while the vaccine, you know, side effects that some um, many thousands have actually experienced, while mm-hmm. in the grand total is a low percentage, you could very well be one of the very few people that actually have an adverse reaction to it. So to prevent that possibility, consult your doctor before you elect to go take the, you know, the vaccine. And then on top, and then he said that was anti-vax because I was creating hesitancy to just not consult your doctor and just go get it at your local CBS or Walmart, Right. Right. That's that's the disingenuous um, nature of people that are left wing is because even they'll 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 call a spade a club and they will die on a hill calling you know that spade a club no matter how wrong they are and how deeply wrong they are because they will never admit that they were wrong one time in their life. Like I've admitted I was wrong on certain things before in the past. 
Like I will say like, oh, I got this wrong. Sorry. Um, I adjusted my stance on this. I did. I was missing this context, but now I'm more informed and this is my new opinion. Right. I will say those things. I'll be like, yep, sorry. I, I misread that or I was misled by that. Got it. I fact checked it myself. It's, we're all good. Um, like I'll, I'll openly say that. But the left is incapable of, you know, conceding anything. Right. They're, they're incapable of admitting any wrong. Completely unable to. Even though when you catch them in, in the lie, like um, in that same argument that I have with that person about the vaccines, I even told him, well, technically, it's not even a vaccine. And he he tried to lecture to me because I don't have a medical degree that I didn't know what I was talking about. When in high school, I actually took three years of biotechnology, created some small forms of pharmaceutical drugs at my. Oh, really? Um, yep. Um, even though it's not my degree, I did take three years of biotechnology. I've, I did two um, years of med school. Yep. I've done, um, I've edited DNA, created proteins, uh, genetically engineered bacteria. I know at least some of the basic things to be literate within the field. I've written you know, many mm -hmm. papers on pharmaceutical companies and drugs. Um, wow. I, I did all that stuff in high school. And when they first came out saying this was like an mRNA vaccine or whatever, I said, well, it's not a vaccine, that's a treatment. That's a symptom reducer is actually the best way to yes. to describe it because I knew for a fact because the virus itself wasn't being put into your body, your body is not creating the T cells that are needed to create um, a proper immune response to make you immune from it. So therefore, it does not fit the definition of, of a vaccine. And they actually had to go back and change the definition, change the dictionary to make this one fit the term vaccine. Because if you can't call it a vaccine, you can't justify everybody getting it or being forced to get it. Right. So that's why it was called one in the begin with is basically to force people to adhere to that because it was way easier to convince people to say, hey, you're forced to get a vaccine rather than saying, hey, you're forced to get a treatment or something that they don't have or yes. not inclined at risk at. And I also then mentioned... Also, didn't you know that Pfizer paid out like the largest medical settlement in, you know, U.S. history? Billions of dollars in court for lying about their drugs. This was in the past. And when I mentioned that to him, he said, oh, enough with the right wing BS. And I'm like, oh, okay. that's not right wing. That that, that, that was fast. <laughs> that happened. Like there was even happened. like you can't. They literally will deny reality when it goes against their their opinions that's psychosis right there they will warp their own perception of reality to make themselves right that's why we mm -hmm. see with you know a lot of us you know who are either centrist or right-leaning lose our friends and you ask yourself how can you lose someone that you knew for so long and they knew you very very well it's because they literally have the ability to change their perception so hard of reality that they convince themselves that the perception is reality rather than reality. Because you hear a lot of this talk where they will say, well, reality is um, based on how somebody perceives it. No, there was one reality, but with different perceptions of it. There was one truth. There, there, there are facts that happen, right? Like, for example, the earth is round or the, the earth is a sphere, right? Did it become a sphere once everybody figured out it was a sphere? Or was it flat when the, everybody thought it was flat and then it transitioned? Or was it, you know, always round the entire time, even though we perceived it to be flat at one point? The fact is, the reality never changed and that the Earth was always a sphere. Not because the majority of scientists agreed on that sense, right? Right. So there's one reality and you have to do yourself to isolate your own opinions um, from the matter first. Go about what logically makes sense, what is most scientifically accurate. And then you can, once you have all the facts and you agree upon the shared reality, then you say, okay, now let's figure out how to fix this reality. The left will say, no, the reality is completely different. It's not what the truth is because it fits my narrative more. And now we try to fix a problem that doesn't even exist. That's about 80 to 90% of the issues that they fight are issues that literally don't even exist or are portrayed completely in a false light.
So we kind of went over our time. So I just kind of want to wrap things up. And I want to wrap it up with this one quote. It's, it's all okay. Good. It's okay. It was a great, it was a great uh, conversation there. So I just want to wrap things up with this quote that I found uh, from the June 1945 issue of Improvement Era. It's a Mormon publication. If anybody is aware of LDS history and uh, Mormon quotes, from this publication, it says, as part of a war teacher's message on sustaining the church leadership, it starts out by saying, when our leaders speak, the thinking has been done. And I feel like going back to the mass formation psychosis, how we ignore problems within our community, problematic people within our community because they agree with us politically, and how... We have to agree, otherwise we're shunned away from community uh, con chairs. When we disagree with con chairs, when we disagree with admins, we are not allowed to basically challenge their views or to have a, a discussion on the alternative uh. viewpoints because the community feels like they have to sustain what the either the popular or the con chair or the admin believes in. They have to sustain that. Yeah. I believe that this stifles individual yeah. thinking. This this stifles individuality. Oh, it, it absolutely it does. does. Right. Individuality in the furry fandom is completely dead. You might look at us as like this huge cornucopia of different breeds of dog, different colors, different shades and and different talents, but that's the, outward but when it comes to uh freedom of thought and the diversity of thought, there is it, it's completely non-existent. It's like looking at that cornucopia and even though you see different fruits and different things that are in it, when you bite into every single one of them, it's all the same it's the flavor. Same, the same. Yep. It's outward appearance. It is sad that our community is going further and further into a leftist monolith because, again, we don't have that diversity of thought anymore. We don't have that individuality. It's yep. actually a threat to the community oh, when diversity of thought is brought in or alternative thoughts are brought in or even challenging what is considered to be acceptable is brought in. And I feel like we need to, you, you've changed my mind on, on bringing in politics. I think that we need to be able to discuss yeah. politics in a way that is balanced and not just like planted to one side. And right. only the, that one side is considered, the other side is, no, 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 that's just trash. That, that's not a way to promote a healthy dialogue about what is happening in the world around us. I'm very glad that we had this discussion and oh, I'm, I'm very too. glad that you, uh, that you joined us for that discussion, Solosin. Yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I really yeah, enjoyed it. Like, I would definitely be down for, for coming back and sharing more perspectives on oh. Oh, yeah. various different yeah. things. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. We'll keep you in touch. And definitely. if other people want to keep in touch with you, uh, what's the best way that they can find you? Uh, best way to find me, uh, I do my best to try to respond to everybody who DMs me on Twitter, but there's my Twitter handle, which is um, at Solosin, which is just Nicholas backwards, by the way. Um, and uh, then Burb with a B at the end. So B-I-R-B. So Solosin Burb on Twitter. Um, you can also hit me up at the same exact handle, but on Telegram um, as well. So those are the two outlets to reach to me. I also run a Discord server called Liberty Furs where it's basically Ooh, nice. anybody who's just wanting to be in an environment that's not toxic, where you feel free to share your ideas without hatred being thrown back and forth and actually to really discover new opinions. I have launched that. Um, I have it very well moderated and also checked to where we have a system that you have to go through to get vetted. So that way we don't have people that just join, dox everybody and leave. We have protections to prevent that kind of stuff. So if you want a place where you can just chill, relax, we don't even necessarily always talk about politics, but we just like to go there to hang out because it's an environment where it's safe to actually just not feel like you're walking on eggshells constantly. So if you're interested okay. in that, um, look for Twitter. I'll be opening up some new spots soon for people to join who are interested. 
But yeah, just uh, Telegram or Twitter at Solosenburb. And um, if you're interested in the server, I'll be sending out some more links for people to join. So that's awesome. Ways to reach me. Well, yeah. Well, thank you so much. And we thank you for listening in to this episode of Unleashed. We hope to see you next week for another exciting episode. Have a great night. Good night, y'all. Good night, guys. Follow us online on Twitter, twitter.com slash liftyunleashed. Don't forget to subscribe for the latest episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Unleashed is brought to you by executive producer Brandon Squire, hosts Lifty Husky and Texiote. Produced at the FJB Studios, Seagirt, Maryland. Opinions expressed on this podcast are the respective views of the hosts and guests only. Unleashed!